stepped in. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And this, this morning as we go into our scripture text, let us turn our attention once again to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 4. The gospel according to Matthew chapter 4. We are continuing in our series of lessons on Jesus making mind and ministry. After all, we have professed that we are followers of Jesus. I think it's of greatest compulsion or greatest importance to know who Jesus is. Amen. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 4, amen, (laughs) chapter 4, verse 12 through 17, we find our sermon text. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, you find these words. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, Mm -hmm. that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, Mm -hmm. saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, Mm -hmm. the people who sat in darkness have seen a great Light. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began 
to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. In our series of lessons on Jesus making mind and ministry, today I want to lift up the thought, the master missionary most misunderstood. The master missionary most misunderstood. Today, as I unpack these verses, I'm going to be lifting up questions as we go through this text. Starting with verse 12, I'm going to ask the question, what about John? What about John? When we look at verse 12, for those who have understanding about the background of the relationship of John and Jesus, that verse can be most troubling. Because when we look at that verse, we see now when Jesus heard that John had been what? Put in prison. He departed to Galilee. Understanding the geographic context John the Baptist was in Bethany. Bethany was only a few miles, if you will, away from Jerusalem. And in Bethany, that's where John the Baptist was going over to the Jordan and baptizing. And we know from our scripture text, we don't know how long, but probably not all that long. Beyond the 40 days and 40 nights, that Jesus himself was baptized by John. And so now Jesus hears, after his wilderness experience with Satan, he hears that John has been put in prison. And what is his response? Is to take a trip to Galilee. Galilee is not toward Jerusalem, it's the other direction. It's farther north, way farther north he went up toward Capernaum. But what about John? I mean, when we look back on the context of this whole story and the relationship that John had with Jesus, remember when Mary was with child, who did she go see? It was John's mother, Elizabeth. And what baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb when Mary and Jesus was in their midst, even though Jesus was still in Mary's womb? Who leaped in Elizabeth's womb? It was none but John the Baptist. So this is Jesus' cousin, but not distant by any means. The relationship between Mary and Elizabeth was so that undoubtedly as they were growing up, John the Baptist being six months older than Jesus, they played together. They spent time together. And Jesus himself talks about John in later chapters and saying, John, there was no one greater than him. 
There was none like John the Baptist. So growing up, those two played together and were on one accord. But in the minds of the human being, something's wrong here. How could Jesus, hearing that his cousin, his close cousin, the one who he said was greater than all, is now in prison, and instead of him going to the prison to get him released, he goes the other way. No fanfare, no party, no celebration of the work that John has done. Something seems strange in this text. And I contend to us today, the reason why it seems so strange is because we always are trying to put Jesus in the box that we have for him. Jesus said he did nothing except what his father told him. And because the ways of the Lord are so unsearchable, we don't have the mental capacity to try to say what Jesus is doing right or doing wrong because we are not God. And so, in a few years back, it was so popular to have the wristbands that said, what would Jesus do? Right? You remember that? What would Jesus do? In all practical purposes, that that was a good thing to be thinking about what would Jesus do. But I contend that probably a lot of people wearing them, including myself, had no idea what Jesus would do in certain cases. Because if I had to answer what would Jesus do before I read that text, I said he's going down to the prison and he's going to get John out of there. He's going to go down to that prison and he's going to put some hands on these guards and he's going to knock them out and he's going to get his cousin. Because he loves his cousin. He ain't going to leave his cousin down here when his cousin ain't did nothing wrong. Now that's what I would believe. What would Jesus do? But that's me putting Jesus in my own box. And so seeing my own frailties in this text and what I would think, I also implore unto us not to put God in a box. To stop trying to make God into who we think he ought to be Mm -hmm. and what we think he ought to be doing. Situations where we think God should have already showed up. God should have did this and did that. I don't know what is wrong here. There's got to be something wrong. Maybe I didn't pray right. Well, maybe I didn't give right. Or maybe I didn't. Not necessarily. Because the ways of the Lord are unsearchable. We have to wait on the Lord to let us know why he makes certain decisions or what decisions he makes. Not trying to figure God out. He wants us to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And faith means not putting God in any box. So we got to be all right with God when the situation looks as if it should be done one way and it doesn't. When we think surely God would have done this or that, there has to be something wrong. Not necessarily. The perfect will of God is so expansive. So much beyond our thinking and our comprehension that we cannot get our heads around it. We don't know what all God is doing. So we got to leave it open for God to be God. Mm -hmm. I I, I say this and I give as an example 
a time when I had a brother of mine that was going through a tough situation in his life and he had been out of work and, and things were getting cut off in his home and I was going into prayer with him about a job. The job that he was getting ready to go for, he was concerned because in times past he had committed crimes and he had a felony on his record. And so we went into prayer and I thought that I was really understanding the Lord and I was praying mightily, Lord have mercy on, on the people at the jobs and Lord give them a heart that's soft toward his record and Lord when they see it, Lord have them to ask questions and understand and see what kind of person he is and all of this kind of stuff in order for him to get the job. But then as time went along I found out that he did get the job, but not in the way that I thought it was going to be. I thought God was going to touch their hearts and they would look at his record and then say, ask him some questions and say, you know, I like your heart and I like your spirit. I like how you are. You know what? I'm going to trust that you're going to do this job and we're going to give me take a chance on But I was so wrong. I was so wrong because what I found out is that when they received the information regarding his record, the felony was not even on there. Now see how little my vision of God was when I thought my vision was great. I mean, I'm thinking I'm really letting God be God. And I missed it completely. I didn't even for once think that God would remove it from his record. I thought he had to work the way I thought he did. He had to touch their hearts and make them soft and do all of this. And God is constantly showing me, let me be God. Get me out of your box. Son, I'm bigger than what you can ever imagine. I'm God and you're not. Just trust me. And let me be God and see the salvation of the Lord. And so I contend to each one of us, whatever situations we're dealing with now, however it seems illogical or logical of what the next step may be or what the next end may be, don't try to box up God. Let God be God. Relax in the day that you have because sufficient is the day. The grace of his for the day is sufficient. Let God take care of tomorrow. Don't try to put God in any kind of box because what we do is we end up in disappointment. Just like when I first looked at that text, I was shocked about what Jesus did because I thought Jesus should have done something else. But I've learned now to let God be God. Even though I do it from time to time, I am reminded that God is bigger than what we could ever think. And so say to God, let God be God. Whatever situations y'all are going through right now, whether things seem like they're premature, they're still in God's time. There's nothing happening unless it passes through God's hand. So let God be God. Now look at our text. We move on in our text and we see that leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness. 
have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. My second question today is what about Jerusalem? What about Jerusalem? The scriptures, Old Testament, has clearly stated that Jesus, when he came, he would come as a king. And he would come as a king of a kingdom. But everybody was getting confused about who Jesus was because they expected Jesus to become the king and political leader over the current political state in Judea and the surrounding provinces. They were looking for him to become with political might and military might and overthrow the Roman government so that the Israelites would have their freedom from oppression. That's how they saw Jesus. So they put God in a box once again and then they fell into delusionment about him and dismay and disbelief because he did not fit their expectations. Do y'all see that in the text? You know, you, when you think about all of those past prophecies, we see him doing all of these things and the word is showing him to be a political leader when that is not how Jesus was coming at all. He still is a king. He still is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but not in the way that we might imagine. If we were Old Testament readers, we would have most likely saw him the same way they did. I don't put no damage against them because it just makes sense. But God says in scripture in another place in Isaiah 55, as high as the heavens are from the earth are my thoughts than your thoughts and my ways than your ways because oh how unsearchable are the ways of the Lord so instead of Jesus going to Jerusalem to Mount Zion where the seed of David was because did not the prophecy say he would be the seed of David and that his throne would be forever and that that seed would sit on David's throne so they're looking for him to make a beeline to Jerusalem to go into the holy city and to go to the Mount Zion and sit on his throne. But that's not what God had for Jesus to do. But it confounds the minds of men because the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Don't put God in the box that he doesn't belong in. That's why Jesus is the master missionary most misunderstood. Amen. Do y'all see that? So what we see is instead of Jesus going miles south to Jerusalem, he went miles north to Galilee. But wait, everything's going on in Jerusalem. I mean, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are there. I mean, the, the seat of power is there in Jerusalem. Where is the military might? Where is the mighty God going? He's supposed to be going there as the great warrior to overthrow him. And he's going out into this desolate area that's mixed with Israelites and Gentiles. What about Jerusalem? Why is Jesus not taking care of his home? 
I mean, we are the chosen people. The Jews say, what is he doing? Where is he going? But he's going to Capernaum. He's going to a place where in times past, his children were commanded by God to drive out the Canaanites. But they didn't. They decided that it was more beneficial for some of those Canaanites to stay around and become slaves so that they could command them and and use them to bring about their own comforts. Isn't that how we do? God tells us ultimately to do something that causes us to be out of our comfort zone. But we look over and say, well, Lord, I can do it only so far. I I, got to have my something. I I, got to have my drink or I got to have my TV or I got to have this comfort or that comfort. I got to have what I think is going to make me happy. Now, not what you think, but what I think. And that's what messed up Naphtali and Zebulun. It's because they did not obey the Lord through the words that Joshua had given them. And so now, Galilee is a place of disrespect. Because you realize that Nazareth, Galilee, and all that's in them same areas. And did not one of the disciples say, is there anything good can come out of Nazareth? They might as well have been saying it about Galilee as well. What? Where is Jesus going? What? He's not going to the political seat. He's going to the Gentiles. He's going out there with this mixed mash of folks who don't even look like churchy people. I mean, don't even look like Jews. Sorry. Um, Don't even look like church people. Jews. Church people. I mean, Jesus wouldn't go outside. To where folk drinking and smoking, where folk is doing any old kind of thing. No, that's what about Jerusalem? What about I mean, he be in the church building. I mean, where his where his people is. That's where he dwells. Hmm. What would Jesus do? Are we putting God in a box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bible lets us know in Hebrews chapter 13 to let us go outside the camp. To where he despised the shame. Outside the camp where he was reproached. Outside the camp. Outside the camp where folks are being rejected. Outside the camp where folks are being disenfranchised. Outside the camp where folks are being dejected. Outside the camp where folks are being counted out. That's where you find Jesus. Jesus is going to go first to them place. But then he's going to come to the church. Because you do know that Jesus did eventually end up at Jerusalem. His mission ended at Jerusalem. But it's not ended in the way that we would have thought. We would have thought that he would have been crowned the king and he'd been put on the throne. But no, he was beaten all night long. Whipped his flesh off. So it ain't looking nothing like the way we would have thought that he would have worked out. All because Jesus went for those who couldn't do nothing for themselves. And the religious leaders who proclaimed to know God rejected Jesus. 
Rejected the one. He said, you say that you know God and you love God and then you look in the scriptures and you know him, but you reject me. And these scriptures talk of me. That's what Jesus told him. You don't even see me because you done made a box that I don't even fit in. But when he got out there, when, when he got out there on the north side of the Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, when he was in Capernaum, he was looking for them folks that had made the mistake. The folks had sinned, had disobeyed God, had, had, had felt the repercussions of sin, just like we have. Just like those who are still outside. Just like knowing that Drinking and getting drunk, it's not a good thing. Waking up in the morning with a headache and earling over the toilet stool and begging God, if you just, if you just give me some relief, I did, I, I, I'll do better. I won't do it no more. Only to go back and do it again. That's what Jesus goes. That's what Jesus likes to hang out in them places. When those ones who cannot do for themselves, Jesus said, I did not come for those who already have a physician. But he came for those who are sick, who need a physician. Now, when we look at Zebulun, we look at Naphtali, we, we, we see that the ramifications of their logic about what was most important against and juxtaposed against God's commandment resulted in all kind of chaos for them. Regarded, put them in a low state where they never should have been. Sometimes we get ourselves in those situations. We get in ourselves below where a child of God should ever be. Because we have decided that we know better than God. We may not say it. I mean, who would, as a Christian, would say, well, I know better than you, God. No, we just kind of slip that in. We just kind of move in that way. But sin is sin. And as I like to repeat so many times that my wife said one time, she said, you can choose the sin, but you can't choose the consequence. Now, ain't that right? We can choose the sin. God gives us free will to do it, but we don't choose the consequence. And if Zebulun and Naphtali had have known that this would be their legacy, I'm sure they would have rethought that. But that's the thing about sin and life. You don't get a chance to see what the sin, the consequence is going to be. Well, you have to do everything by faith. Yeah. And so what happens, our disobedience just shows a time in which we have no faith in God. Hmm. But that's where Jesus went. And Jesus is going there now. He's going there for folks outside who has never believed and he's also going to the inside for those who have sinned against him. Who feel like I've messed up and I don't know how I'm going to get back. We present Jesus. He is always our way back from nowhere. When we have gone so far astray and wondered how we're going to get back, all we got to do is call on the name Jesus. Because he is the way out of no way. He is the bridge over troubled water. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the one who is always looking to take care of his own. His own consists of those who have been saved and those who do not that will be saved. He is looking to and fro, looking whom will trust in him. 
And so we here stand in gratefulness because we could be so much farther away than where we are today. And in that, we must have the same compassion that Jesus had on us for other people. Because he wants us to go to Naphtali and Zebulon in Capernaum around the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, we can go from church to church. We can go where religious leaders are. We can do that. But that is not the mission that he has us on. It's a time for fellowship, and that is good. But the ultimate mission is to go out into the hedges and the highways and compel those to come to the Lord. To go out and get the drunk, the drug dealer, the drug addict, the, the, the user, get all of them. To get the whoremonger, the adulterer, the fornicator, whoever it is. To get the liar, get the backbiter. That's who we're here to get because we have been those ourselves at one time. But it's by the grace of God that we are who we are. And therefore be compassionate and grateful to what God has done so we can reach somebody else. There's no need for us to be afraid of them because greater is he that's within us than he is in the world. We came from the same place and the God that saved us has the power to save them. Amen? Amen. And then finally in our text, I ask the question, what about war? What about justice for the Jews? Verse 16 says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Many were sitting in darkness in the nation of Israel and out. They were doing all of the religious things but not having a relationship with God. And then when the light showed up, they could not receive it. Jesus says, if you had have come to me, I would have been like a hen with her chicks and I would have put you under my wing, oh Jerusalem. But the light came and the dark comprehended it not. The darkness cannot stay in the presence of light. Anytime we are in darkness and we turn on the light switch, darkness has to what? Flee. So because they were holding on to their darkness, they could not see the light the way they needed to. They could not comprehend it because they were in darkness. But oh, the great light of Jesus. He shined bright for those who were in darkness that would Trust him that would call upon his name who didn't trust in their own abilities like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, but knew that they were low enough that they could not do nothing for themselves. And that's where he's looking for folks with a contrite heart. But I see something else here, too. When it talks about justice for the Jews, they got John locked up, the leader of the Jews from a religious standpoint before Jesus came on the scene. They got him like that. What about justice? Well, what about justice? Because if justice, God's justice would have had his way, 
You wouldn't have had to worry about John and getting justice for the Jews because the Jews would have been on their way to a burning hell too. Because they had a bloodline was not what God was looking for. So we got to be careful how fast we want judgment executed in the world because it might just get some of us sitting up in the church because we have not got no relationship with God. So we ought to be looking for the weightier matters, as Jesus said, of grace and mercy, of compassion right now, because there will come a time when the reaper will come for his harvest and he will separate the wheat from the chaff, the wheat from the tear. He will do it, but let him do it in his time. And while we still got blood running warm in our veins and we still got breath in our nostrils, let us be looking to reach everyone we can before that appointed day comes. And the text says, as I close, it ends with verse 17 that says, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus went right back to the words that John was preaching, and he began to preach them well, letting us and signifying that John's ministry was over and Jesus' ministry had begun. But as I said in the beginning, what? That's all? I mean, John, the one who was in the wilderness eating locusts and honey, John who baptized Thousands and thousands of folks who went out there who preached the uncompromising gospel. That's it? No party? No parade? No big talk? No bunch of folks on the, on the city hall steps talking about release John while Jesus starts his ministry? Don't seem like that's how it ought to be. But that's because that's the way we think. God keeps... Con- showing us and keeps telling us that our treasures are not here on earth. If nobody ever says thank you for what you do for the Lord, that's okay. If nobody ever says I really appreciate what you did, that's okay. Because no one has a hell or a heaven to put you in. But the one who does sees all things. And he said that he has his reward in his hand. And you don't want to trust for the treasures here on earth anyway because they are fools gone. But you want to get the true riches that God has for you in heaven. See, John's going to get his party, but he's going to get it in a place that it's going to be true. It's going to be in heaven. And so will the saints who stay faithful to God. Don't be concerned about what other folks are doing and what they ain't doing. Just keep working for the Lord. And I say this in knowing that look at even Jesus. You think John's situation was bad at the end of his ministry. Let's roll fast forward three years for Jesus. And we see that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, asking the Lord to take this cup away from him. Sweating like blood drops from his forehead. And he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. How about that? For the end of your great ministry. This is 
the one who, who, who opened blinded eyes and made the dumb to talk and the lame to walk. Those who could not hear, he gave hearing to. Those when he said, Lazarus, come forth, who was dead and now alive. Here's the one who showed enough great ministry. And guess what his reward was? 39 lashes saved one. Split open. With a cat of nine tail, flesh yeah. every which way. Yeah. Bleeding, beat to unrecognizable that even his mama couldn't look at him and see what he was. Yeah. So if we say that we don't get a party or John didn't get a party, Jesus didn't get a party either. Yeah. Jesus got a major penalty yeah. for doing no wrong. no wrong. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he who knew no sin yeah. became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of him, in him. Now look at here, here's the one who has done all this and all he gets is a good beating. Yeah. Then he gets marched from judgment hall to judgment hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now here's the one with a spectacular ministry yes, sir. that nobody can compare with. Mm -hmm. Where's his party? Come on, now. Where's his fanfare? Where's his celebration? Where's his thank you? Even Jeru, the Jews said at Jerusalem, give us a thief yeah, yeah. whose name is Barabbas. Yeah, sure. So don't get weary in well-doing. Don't, don't, don't quit because other folks don't give you no recognition. Right. God knows. Yes, sir. Because God knows Jesus' work. Amen. Because he said after all of this was going to be done, he would be exalted mm -hmm. to be king of kings yeah. and lord of lords. Every yeah. knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is lord. Now that's when the party comes after death. All right. Come on, but they took him from judgment hall to judgment hall. Kangaroo courts. Yeah, yeah. From Annas to Caiaphas. From Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin. Mm -hmm. Lying and and, and perpetrating and, and bearing false witness against Jesus and then to that old crazy pilot and then yeah, to that yeah. fox Herod and then back to that coward pilot. Yes, sir. Come on, what kind of party is that? Come on, but it was Jesus' work yeah. and it said for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising the shame. Yeah. But the joy that he had wasn't what other folks was going to say good about him, but what the master, what the father was saying good about him in heaven. And that's how we got to be. When we're in this work for the Lord, there ain't going to be no whole lot of thanks. There ain't going to be a whole lot of people saying, oh, you did such a good job for the Lord. Oh, I just love the way you went out there and talked to that drunk about Jesus. Because you know what? Most of the time you will be by yourself. Except the Lord is with you. And he ain't missed nothing. So don't be weary in well-doing because in due time, they, those who are humble will be exalted. And their eyes have not seen nor ears heard of the good things. And it has not entered into the hearts of men the good things that the Lord has in store for us. Keep on running. Keep on doing for the Lord. Because when you do for the Lord, your reward will be sure in heaven. And the story went on to say that they marched him down to Via Della Rosa. And they marched him outside of the Jerusalem walls. Because you know it's outside. Outside in a place called Golgotha's Hill. They put nails in his hands. And they put nails in his feet. He hung on that cross from the third to the ninth hour. 
but did not one person take his life, but he gave it freely for all me. The Bible says from the sixth to the ninth hour that darkness was all over the land because the Father in heaven could not look upon sin. And when the Father turned, the energy of the world went dark. But he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's good news, children, that Jesus, the Immaculate Lamb of God, he died one Friday evening for you and for me. But that wasn't the end of the story, children. They took him down on that old rugged cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. Somebody may say, why? Oh, why didn't Jesus have his own tomb? I will continue you today because he was going to be there very long. The Bible lets us know he was in that grave. All night Friday, he was in that grave. All day Saturday, he was in that grave. All night Saturday, Saturday night. But it was early, oh so early. Sunday morning, he got up with all power, with all power in his hand. That's good news, children, that we don't serve a dead Jesus, but he is yet alive. He stayed here showing himself to his disciples for a 40-day layover, but he stepped out on the cloud and went back to glory, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. It's interceding for you and for me. And one of these old days, he's coming back. He's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. I'm so glad that I got Jesus in time. I didn't find him myself, but he found me. Ain't that good news, children? That the war one day is gonna be over. As Reverend said, we're gonna stick our swords in the sand of time and we're gonna study war no more. Praise the name of the Lord. Yeah, one of these old days, when the by and by, there'll be no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more diabetes, no more cancer, no more leukemia, no more, no more. It'll be howdy, howdy, and never goodbye. Praise the name of the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Praise his holy name.
eternal God, our Father. Lord, we bless your name for another Sunday, O God. Lord, we bless your name for another day of worship, O God. Lord, bless you for the saints that gather together on this day to lift up your holy name. Lord, we're just so thankful, Master, for all that you have given us, O God. And Lord, help us to be good stewards over that which you have put us over, O God, so that we might in the last day come to you, Master, and give you the greater profit, O God. Not that we took our talent and we buried it in the ground, that when you gave us 10, we gave you back 20 in the name of Jesus. Lord, keep every soul in the house. Keep their hearts and minds, O God. Keep their health, O God. Lord, and keep us on a perfect path of being the missionaries that you would have us to be, Master. And Lord, we lift you up for you are worthy to be praised. And Lord, bless the offerings that we're about to give and tithe, Master. Lord, and let it be adequate for the use that it needs to be in your kingdom, Master. Lord, have your way in our ministry. Lord, lead our hearts to do that which is pleasing unto you. These things we ask in the blessed name of Jesus and the whole church saying, Amen. Praise the Lord. Please be seated and obey the usher.